Welcome to Her Story with Kate Delaney. You might know them from name mentions in the media. They're Fortune 500 executives, television personalities, philanthropists, and entertainers. But do you really know them? Her Story gives voice to the game-changing women who are shaping our world. What gets their mojo working? Check them out on Her Story, and you just might meet someone new. times I have listened to Love Will Keep Us Together and a myriad of other songs by this next lady who is our special guest today. So thrilled she's in our virtual green room. We promised we would not play that song over and over again so she wouldn't have to hear her own work. But Tony Tennille is with us and she's written a memoir and it is fascinating. I have to tell you, Tony, first of all, thanks for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me on, Kate. I really appreciate it. And I have to tell you, I had a quick little getaway where I was at the Venetian pool in Las Vegas, and I was reading your book. I was absorbing it, and I put it down for a second to go off and rinse off, and someone took the book, so I had to buy another copy, so I'm responsible for two copies. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm glad you got another copy. You know, I don't know what to say about that. Except for I think they wanted to read your book. I think that they saw it, and they were so excited. They thought, well, she's probably done with that. I'll swipe it. (laughs) you got to love that. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about your beginnings in music. How did you know you had that talent? When did that all start for you as a kid? Well, my father was a singer, and my mother had musical talent. I just popped out singing, and you know, there are four Tennille sisters. I'm the oldest of the four, and every one of us sing. They all have lovely voices. It just was part of our musical life back as far as I can remember. So you start off, you have your sisters, and you got a lot of great pictures of your sisters and your family in the book, too, by the way, I'll tell everyone. But you start to do that. Did you just know that your career would explode the way it did? No, 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 never. As I grew up and started singing in Montgomery, Alabama, where I was born and raised, people would say, oh, you have such a great voice. That was kind of a big fish in a little pond. I had no illusions. I just sang because I loved it. And I remember one of the first songs I ever sang for people when I was in junior high school was a silly song called Abba Dabba Honeymoon, followed by Julie London's Cry Me a River. So you can imagine me singing that torch song at age 15. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but people, people liked it. So, you know, what can I say? You know, I never thought I would have what would have happened that happened to me with Daryl ever. Yeah. So you meet Daryl Dragon, who's the captain, becomes your husband, all of that. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the beginnings of that relationship. Well, Daryl and I met mainly because of a musical I had written with one of the directors at South Coast Repertory Theater in Southern California. It was an ecology-themed musical called Mother Earth. And it's a long story, but I'm just going to say it ended up as a professional production, and we opened it in San Francisco in 1971. And Daryl, we needed a new keyboard player because our regular keyboard player couldn't go to Los Angeles with the show. So... Daryl flew up to audition for me, which is kind of funny, Um, (laughs) but I actually hired him to play keyboards for me, and then later on, he was a Beach Boy 
for a long time. And he and I started working together in clubs and then also as a Beach Boy piano player. That was me. I was a beach girl, but they let me in anyway. <laughs> I bet that was fun. You probably have a lot of stories from those days. I have <laughs> some I have some wonderful stories and it really was fun and it was very, very eye opening to me because you know, I was this kind of sheltered girl from Alabama and I had never even been to a rock concert, much less been on stage playing in one. And I learned many, many lessons from my time with the Beach Boys. One was the responsibilities of a headliner, the business of music, you know, how much it costs to do this, that, and the other just to carry a touring band around and dealing with groupies. Well, I don't have groupies, but they sure did, but (laughs) fans and things. And it was a real eye-opener and very much an education for me when Daryl and I began to have our own success. Then you start, you tour, you do all of that, and you elope, and you elope in a tiny mining town, uh, Virginia City, Nevada, which I've actually been through there. If you yeah. blink, you're done, you're out of there. Uh, yeah. did, did that surprise a lot of people? Did it surprise your family or no? Well, you know, <clears throat> Daryl and I have been living together since 1972, and we were not married when we had our first hit. And I know it, it disturbed my mother, <laughs> my <laughs> Southern conservative mother, who would say to me all the time, Tony, when are you and Daryl going to get married? You just shouldn't be living together without being married. Well, I wanted to, but Daryl had really, um, he was very hard to read. Um, he had not made any indications of loving me. You know, I, yeah. I, I, we had a relationship, but it, you you read the book, so you know what yeah. it was like. Yeah. Um, so... I think A&M, when Lovell Keeps Together hit the charts, our record company was very concerned that people would find out that we weren't married, although people thought we were. So they put out a press release saying that we were married on Valentine's Day, which Uh was not. We weren't married, and we would never have chosen that day anyway. But we started getting letters from fans who would say, oh, you were married on Valentine's Day. That's so cute. And that's how we found out about it. So then, to top it off, our uh, this is so romantic, you're not going to believe this. Uh, our accountant said, you know, Tony, if you and Daryl were married, he said that to both of us, you could pay a lot less taxes. <laughs> <laughs> so we flew up to northern Nevada, drove to little Virginia City, and got married kind of under the radar in the Silver Queen Saloon wedding chapel up there. Wow. Unbelievable. So that was our romantic wedding. <laughs> and you were together for a very long time, and people yeah. were shocked when you broke up, and you're very forthright about it in the book. You talk about it, but people didn't really know what was going on in that relationship, right? No, they didn't. And, you know, I have to say that I can never blame Daryl for any of this because he just is who he is. And he was raised in a very, very complicated and difficult family. His father was very much the dictatorial famous person. He was an Academy Award winning film scorer. He was a symphony conductor. He recorded 25 albums for Capitol Records, and he was the epitome of the maestro. Mm -hmm. handsome, lots of charisma, and he had lots and lots of fans, but he was very hard on his kids. They had three boys and two girls, and he was especially hard on the boys. He was very critical of them. There was some abuse going on 
which I don't want to go into because there's still family members alive who think that Carmen hung the moon. But And also Daryl's mother had a breakdown when she was in her 30s and suffered from clinical depression the rest of her long life. So he never learned love. He never was nurtured by anybody in his family. Never had that experience at all. And he kind of grew into himself. And, of course, I had the complete opposite upbringing with lots of love, lots of support, you know, lots of good relationship. So I thought, okay... I can fix this guy. You know, I can go into this relationship and I can show him, teach him how to love, how to let some joy into his life. And I kept thinking what how wonderful it would be for him and for me, of course, if I could do this. So that's how I started the relationship. And I'm stubborn. I'm a Taurus. I'll stick with something for a long time. And I worked on it for years and years and years and years and years before I finally realized it was never going to happen. I broke the cardinal rule. The rule is you will never change a man. He's going to be what he's going to be, and you can't change him. Boy, that is so true. I hope a lot of people are listening to that, because I know there are a lot of women that try to do the same thing. (laughs) Well, and I thought I could. I mean, I really, truly thought I could, and I, I just couldn't. Yeah. The song that I mentioned at the top, of course, Love Will Keep Us Together. How yeah. many, I mean, you'd probably be a billionaire every time somebody comes up to you and sings like a little ditty from that. Does that happen to you still? I bet it does. Oh, yeah, it does. It does. And it always puts me in a very happy place when I hear that happen. I remember on a one of the airlines many years ago, uh, I guess it was during the 80s when I was singing with symphonies and big bands, and one of the flight attendants came up to me and she said, Miss Tennille, would you come back to the galley? We want to show you something. And I thought, well, okay. So I went back there and there it was one of those large jumbo type jets and there were like four or five flight attendants and they lined up in a row and they started singing Love Will Keep Us Together complete with choreography. <laughs> Which I just thought was wonderful. I mean, you know, you gotta love stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely, of course. Of all the places that you got to go and people that you got to meet, I mean, I know this is a tough question. What's your favorite moment? Do you have one? Oh, my gosh, there were so many. Uh, My favorite musical moment, I might say, Mm -hmm. was singing a duet of torch songs with the great Ella Fitzgerald. Oh, that was, to me, and you can find it on YouTube, it's there. You just put in Tony Tennille, Ella Fitzgerald, and it'll come up. She was a guest on our special, we called the Songbook Special, in 1980. And I invited her to be my special guest, and I just was overjoyed when she accepted. And what I found out about her, Kate, as we worked together, was what a humble, lovely woman she is, or was. She's gone now, I'm sad to say. I remember when we did our, it it was a 10-minute torch song medley that we did together, and it was complicated. We did our first rehearsal together, and, you know, I was just going, oh, this is a dream, this is a dream. And when we finished the rehearsal, she said to me, now, was that all right? (laughs) She's asking me if that was all right. I went, oh, my God, are you kidding? And, of course, when we did it, it was just to me, absolute perfection. And it was like I was standing outside myself watching me sing with Ella Fitzgerald and remembering when I was a little kid singing into my hairbrush and pretending I was her. You know, so that has got to be, to me, the greatest joy of my musical life. 
Absolutely. Tony Tania, what a pleasure to have you on the show. Pick up her book. You can get it at Amazon.com and wherever books are sold. What a pleasure to have you, as I said, on the show. We could talk to you for hours. Thanks so much. <laughs> and also, I want to mention, Kate, that I did narrate the audiobook, and it's out there on Audible Audio. If you want to listen to me, tell it to you. You awesome. can go there. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Kate. I've been saving myself for you. Just you, no one but you. I've staked my heart in your...